Super Talk Mississippi media production. Another edition of Egg Bowl Memories. Joining me now, former All-SEC guard Ben Beckwith joins the show. Ben, a Mississippi kid, grew up in the state of Mississippi. You know, what did the Egg Bowl mean to you before you got to Mississippi State? Oh, man, it's always meant a lot to me and my my family, my friends. We've always been highly invested in it. Um, We've always been one of those things, you know, you look forward to. It's kind of the the cats off the football season, usually no matter whether the both teams are doing well or doing terrible. It's just something you look forward to, and it usually ends up being a really good game uh, one way or the other, whether both teams are bad, both teams are good. It's usually, uh, you know, everybody comes to play that day, and it's always been something that uh, Thanksgiving is kind of, you know, and around here and around my part of the world of Mississippi, it's always Thanksgiving and the egg ball go hand in hand. So uh, to say that it's important. It would be an understatement, and we always look forward to it. And uh, just as much as we do uh, Thanksgiving Day turkey, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, you, you plan on having dressing for Thanksgiving. You plan on having the egg bowl around Thanksgiving. It just kind of goes hand in hand. So it means a lot to us and my friends and family for sure. I haven't asked anybody else, and I've, I've talked to a couple other players this week. But when you when you think about this year, there's going to be two football games after the egg bowl. You know. With the emotion of, of that one game, how hard is it going to be to play those two games from an emotional standpoint? Man, it's uh, it's 2020, right? So yeah. Who knows, right? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. It's uh, it's a, it's a wild deal. I mean, I was sitting here talking uh, this past weekend with some buddies of mine at, at, the, at the deer camp, and uh, and we were talking about it. Like, hey, man, you know that it's we didn't even think about it because I mean our dates are all screwed up whatever with COVID going on we're like you know the Egg Bowls this weekend it's kind of like dang we, you know it's weird because we've only played so many games mm-hmm. and then and then you look at it and you're like well we got a couple games in December also you know <laughs> so it's like you know usually that's when you have a, a little week off before bowl prep and then you're back into it but uh you're, you're talking about regular season games going all the way into a couple weeks into December which is just wild to think about so you know I don't know how that's going to affect you know, the mindset of these kids and, and, and everything with the way the egg bowl kind of messes with your mind anyways. You, you pour so much emotion and so much time and effort into winning that game, especially for these two teams, both under 500, both really, you know, this is this is going to be kind of their bowl games, you know. They're going to be their biggest games of the year more than likely. So, um, you know, that's gonna that's got a lot going into it. And, and we always looked at it kind of like that as a bowl game because, you know, you're out that week of school, but, you know, football players are obviously still up there. So you kind of feel like you're, you know, you're at a bowl game. You're, you're, you're not having school. You're, all you're doing is practicing, eating good, uh, watching film. It's really kind of more like an NFL schedule that week. And, uh, and it kind of gives you that business mindset of, hey, we're, all we're here to do is to win this game and, you know, win, win the trophy. So that, that takes a lot out of you. It takes out a, a lot out of the coaching staff, the equipment staff, the training staff, everybody involved, the players especially. So I'll be interested to see, you know, after this game, win, lose, or draw, how that affects the next games going forward, which uh, which will be interesting because never had games in December like this. Yeah. So, uh, very good question. I, don't, I honestly don't know how to answer it, but I imagine it's going to play, play, you know, an effect on each team and, uh, whether good or bad, we'll see, I guess. I, I, I was thinking about because we're going to talk about the, the 13 Egg Bowl and how emotional that, that, that game was and, and, and you know everything that went into it. I'm trying to imagine you know, if you'd had to play Auburn the next week. I mean, that would have. this feels like that would have been difficult to get up for. You know, oh, if, right, if nothing yeah. else, I so. mean, just from a standpoint of, of guys really playing that really 
probably shouldn't have been playing yeah. uh, as far as quarterback. That that game, you know, Dak coming in, and then we had D in the whole game who did a great job. But, you know, he kind of got to that point where we kind of – the coaches saw it, the team kind of felt it. It was like, hey, it's do or die. Let's, we're going to put Dak in whether he can fill his, you know, fill his fingers or not. You know, yeah. so, uh, you know, that emotion goes into it, like you said, with injuries. And, uh, you know, like you said, we, we had to win that game. To win the egg, I mean to go to a bowl game, but at the end of the day, we we wanted to win that game because it was the, was the egg bowl, and all those emotions went into it, winning it how we won it in a dramatic fashion. Uh, we weren't, you know, probably shouldn't have won the game with the way we were stacked as far as we had a freshman quarterback, you know, coming in, and our main quarterback hurt, and Tyler was hurt, and then just all kind of stuff going on, going against us, and that season just kind of. That 13 season was weird because the whole time it was like we battled, we battled every game we won was just kind of a crunch, a grind, and then we somehow ended up getting to a bowl game. So it all kind of culminated into forming that team and that bond and that our, us against the world going into 14. So, yeah, that 13 season was just wild, man. That game was, was just something I'll remember the re- for the rest of my life, especially I uh, tell everybody that story about the fourth down call, and I thought it was third down. Had no idea, so and the ball was coming off my off off of me to score the touchdown. Yeah, to go to go up, and uh, it's just something I'll you know that whole culmination of things will just be something I'll remember forever. So, well, you mentioned the injury, and obviously, you know, from the outside looking in, everybody thought Dak Prescott's not playing in this football game. That was that was what we were told outside the players, of players. Players also. Okay, yeah. That, that, talk us through that. So Dak coming in in the fourth quarter caught you by surprise? Oh, for sure. I mean, there were some rumblings on the sidelines as, uh, as you know, like I said, D played a great game, did what he was supposed to do, uh, came in, you know, played even kill, kept us in the game, scored a few points, did everything we needed to do. We knew the game was going to be low scoring on both sides. So we knew if we could just score a few points, keep the game close, we could figure out a way to win at the end just because we thought we had – a couple key players that were better than a couple of their key players. So, um, so whenever things kind of, kind of, you know, the pick and then this, this here, that there, whatever, we kind of felt the tide changing a little bit and felt some hurt some Romans on the sideline. Dak kind of got up, you know, you saw him kind of getting in, getting in the groove of things on the sideline, getting ready to go, and everybody's just kind of thinking, oh, is this for real? Is this for real? And then you kind of, everybody's starting to get a little upbeat. The heart starts beating a little bit. You know, like, dang, Dak's going to do it. You know, and at the time, you don't really think, man, this guy's risking his whole career to come in and win a game that really might not, you know, for a, it's going to end up being a 6 and 16. Doesn't seem like a big deal from the outside looking in. But, um, you know, at the time, we're, you know, we're, we're so invested and don't really think. We're just like, man, this guy's coming in late on the line. Let's do it for him. Let's do what we got to do. So, yeah, we had no idea. I mean, we knew he was dressed. He was the only other quarterback I think we had at the time that wasn't just a true freshman. Uh, and he was just kind of a backup plan in case Damian got you know hurt or something, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, for that to go down like that, and then end up winning and scoring and doing what he did, and then you know obviously everybody knows Dak's story from that year and his mom and Tyler getting hurt, and him coming in, and him you know vice versa, all the stuff that went on. But uh, for it to culminate and turn into that was something special, you know. And I'm I think talking to him and knowing him and. Being as good of friends with him as I still am, I think that moment still means a lot to him, even as much as he's done his career, even with the you know the Mississippi State and the Dallas Cowboys. So, when when you think about this game, and like you said, a low scoring game. I mean, honestly, from an aesthetic standpoint, not 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 the, the greatest football game ever played uh, no by, by stretch of the imagination, but it had the, these great moments, and and 
you know, you talked about injuries a second ago. Talk about Nico Whitley playing the game. You know, I, I remember after the game, I went to do my, my, my media work. I did the post game show and all that. And I get back in the car to hear Dan Mullen telling me that he, he had torn his ACL earlier in the year and decided, no, nah, I'm going to play through this. So yeah. we got, you got Dak on one side, Nico Whitley on the other. I mean, just how beat up was this team at this point? Man, we were – obviously, I remember the Arkansas game the week before, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of rolled in on one wheel. But, uh, man, it was just – you know, you got Nico, who, who was a player that played probably 10 years too early, right? I mean, if he mm-hmm. plays 20 years ago, uh, oh, yeah. the way he hit and the way he played, I mean, the guy's still in the NFL and probably still making piles of money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're talking about a guy that grit and grind. I mean, love that guy. Somebody I'll remember – and I still keep up with it today. Nico's a great dude, and man, played the game like you you want it to be played. So, I mean, played on a torn ACL. You got Dak who had no feeling in his fingers. My, you know, mom has passed away. Had all these things happen to him. You got Tyler Russell, who's man. He's he's come in really under the wrong coaching staff. You know, Dan came in. But, you know, everybody knows that. He 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 really just never. He, you know, it was all stacked against him, but he never felt sorry for himself. He just always was about the team. And Tyler was just wanting to play and do what he could, and, and he gets hurt, you know, his senior year. Um, then you got all this other stuff, and you got all these other guys that are hurt also that you don't hear about, you know, things that, you know, just come out through the season. But it just seems like this 13 season, we've got stuff going on every week, right? So um, just all that going into it, and then somehow finding a way to win that game. And like you said, it was not pretty at all, but. It seems like college football, in a nutshell, uh, you know, I don't remember every play of every beautiful game that we played or every terrible game we played, but you remember these moments, these culmination of all these moments in these games throughout the four years, five years you're there, and uh, these are one of those games where, yeah, you pick out a couple moments, and you're like, damn, that game looks really good yeah. in my mind, but then you look back on it and you watch it, and you're like, ah, oh, that was a sloppy, ugly game, but uh, either way, when you come out with a win, uh, feels really good, uh, especially Egg Bowl week. You know, so it was awesome. What was the uh, what was Mullen saying as going into the overtime? Because you've just missed the field goal that had a chance to win there in regulation. <laughs> what did Dan have to say there on the sidelines? So <clears throat> I don't remember verbatim, obviously, but uh, I can kind of remember the mixed emotions there. He, you know, just kind of gets everybody riled up. You know, he says, "Hey, look, we're in the game. We're here. We're here for a reason." There's things that have happened, obviously, uh, that we can't control, but let's go out and let's finish this game. You're supposed to win this game now. You know, you've hung around. You've done some things. You've stopped the other team. You've done, you know, we got all these guys hurt that we keep harping on. You know, let's go out. Let's finish the game. I got a, you know, we got a good game plan the rest of the way. We're, we're going to protect our quarterback. We're not going to put him in bad situations. We're not going to get him hurt. You know, let's do this. Let's do that. Defense is playing great. If we can just get one play, you know, one big play, all we got to do is we put some points up and we make one play, the game's over. So, obviously, that's kind of how it played out. We, mm-hmm. we we made a big play. We actually made two big plays, a fourth down touchdown and then a, a, a game-saving touchdown. That I mean, the guy was going to score probably more yeah. than likely unless Nico's there and uh, strips the ball. And uh, Jamerson picks it up, I believe, as he picked up the fumble, yeah. ran it out of the back of the end zone, and bam, game's over. And I, and I just kind of – I kind of have a blackout tunnel vision there because I just remember as soon as he stripped it, I just remember dropping my helmet and just took off sprinting. I don't even know where I went. <laughs> uh, it was just one of those moments where it was like, man, is, did this really just happen? You know, it's uh, my first year really to start a whole season. 
as an offensive lineman, I've obviously started and done special teams and done tight end stuff on goal line and all this other stuff. But to all that to go down and all the struggles we had started in Houston when uh, Justin Malone got hurt and I get my chance and, you know, I took advantage of that all the way till I graduated and just all the culmination of all that, being a walk-on originally in my career and then winning this game, beating a team that I grew up, you know, I, uh, I, my mom went to school there. My brother went to school there. You know, we had a household split. You know, had some, as I was growing up, wasn't really a Rebel fan, but wasn't really a State fan. It was just kind of mixed emotions. And then yeah. go to State, win it, and all this. And just culmination of your life almost. And then, bam, you win. And then all of a sudden, blackout. I took off running. And all I remember is being in the locker room kissing the egg. So, what, what's it like, uh, by the way? And, and go, what's an Egg Bowl winning locker room like with the trophy in there? Uh, man, it's. You know that you're about to go right. You just had a you just had a Thanksgiving break. You're about to, you're about to go into finals and not have any practice type stuff. So you're really not. There's not a lot going on as far as game planning after that game. So it's just really just that moment. So you're in it. You're enjoying it. You're with your teammates. You know you're about to. You know you're not you're not going to go the next day and get into another game plan. So you just kind of drop. You just uh, you know express all your emotions at once and let everything release at once at that game. That's why. Like you said, it's going to be weird for game the game week after that and another week after that because it just feels like that game was something where you just released it all. You left it all on the field because you had some time to recover. You had bowl prep coming up. Where usually the starters, you know, the first week of bowl prep just kind of did their you know did their position drills, and then after that just kind of relaxed and got you know some rest and let the young guys do their thing at bowl prep and. So you just left it all on the field. So it was just all that was a culmination in the locker room, and you knew. That if you won that game, you're going to a bowl game. You, you know, you kept the streak alive, and then you know all, all this other stuff that went along with it that you that you worked so hard for in the summer and spring to get to that point. So, man, it's just it's just kind of you just kind of melt, man. It's it's really wild. It's not I don't really know a way to put it in the words, but you just kind of you sit in there and you take it all in. And, and usually after that game, it takes you an hour or two to get out of that locker room and get out. When you're out, there's no you know there's still fans out there and. It was just, man. It was, it was awesome. It, it's something I'll, I'll cherish the rest of my life, and I wish I could bottle it up and, <laughs> and take me a sip of it every year this time of year just to remember what it feels like. Because as you get older, you kind of forget those emotions. Until I talk to guys like you or whoever that want me to, to relive those moments. So uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's one of those highs, one of those nirvanas in life that you just won't ever forget. So. Let's talk a little bit about Mississippi State this season before I let you go. I talked to Chad Bumpus uh, yesterday, and he, of course he expressed a lot of jealousy not, not getting to play in an offense that threw the ball 60 times, 70 times a game or whatever it is. As an O-lineman, and I tell you, hey, we're going to throw the ball 60 times a game, you know, my thought on linemen is always you want to run block. That's just It's just easier and it's more fun. As an offensive lineman, would you have liked to have been in an offense like this? Um, I haven't, you know, from the outside looking in, I'll just tell you no. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I, I really don't know that you know. I don't, you know everybody sees the offense, but do you? Really, I don't really know the scheme. I don't really know the play call. I don't know if they're running RPOs here, or there, whatever it is. But from from my standpoint, I played in the best offense I could have played in. I played in Mullen. I love playing for Mullen's offense. We were a mix of run, pass, run, pass option. You know, uh, option backfield, uh, two back, all the stuff we did. Uh, counter, power, all this. I mean, I loved everything. It just seemed like we were always doing something different every play, although it, it had a combination of everything that we did in our offense. Whereas I loved running the ball. I loved double teams. I loved 
the blocking back. I love doing all that. Love getting up to the second level. But I also the way that offense was set up when we did pass the ball, it had a mix of run passing it pretty much all the time, unless we were running five wide or you know straight shotgun drop. Um, so you never really. I feel like the bad part for those guys on the offensive line is when you're in a pass-heavy uh, offense. You know the defensive linemen always know, right? You just right. always know they're going to give you their best moves. They're not really going to be kind of, you know, when you when you don't really know what the offense is doing. A lot of times, the guys on the other side of the ball can't really give you their best stuff every play, right? Right. So, it kind of gives you, you know, and, and as an offensive lineman, I always say you're at a disadvantage no matter what because you're in a three-point stance with not supposed to have a ton of weight on your hands, and then on the other side of the ball, you got a, a guy in a four-point stance with every bit of weight out in front of him trying to get to the ball, right? And we're trying to backpedal and stop him from getting there. So it seems like a bad concept, right? So, right. Um, so I would say no. I, I would hate to be in that offense, but to say that it's not something, I mean, I just don't know. I don't want to put it. You know, I don't want to put a bad shadow over it because I just don't. I haven't been in meetings and been in the offensive uh, uh, line meeting room and know really what their concepts are. So, for me personally, no. But for guys that you know like to pass block and like to do special finesse plays, and and it looks like they're starting to run the ball a little bit more. So you just don't know. But uh, for me personally, no. But I I, I could see it working right uh, mm-hmm. whenever he gets everybody in place. And it Man. seems like he's gotten a bunch of the of the bad apples out of the room that have come from a staff that maybe didn't hold the team as accountable as he's trying to, you know. So um, that's obviously me seeing from the outside in, not speaking for anything I've seen or heard, but it looks like he's trying to clear the room of of guys that weren't held accountable and kind of did what they wanted to do under a a different staff. So I think once he gets his guys in place, and everybody knows Leach is one of those guys, you've seen some videos, you've heard the things, and he's had some issues here and there, or you know, whether wrong, wrong, right, or indifferent, but He's a hard-nosed coach. He holds his players accountable, and he expects the best out of them. So I think once he gets his guys in place and gets his, his team where he wants them, we'll start seeing. I think you saw that a little bit at Georgia. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got a team that's depleted, right? And everybody said, man, you aren't going to be able to do anything. you got very little players. But they're players that have bought in, that have bought into Leach and bought into the Mississippi State mindset where talking to a guy I played against uh, last uh, was about a year ago, uh, caught up with him and he sent me a message on Instagram. I said, "Man, how you been?" I remember, you know, we started talking about playing ball back in the day. And he said, "One thing about Mississippi State didn't matter, you know, day in day out if they had a, the number one team in the country or the number hundred team in the country. When you left that game, you knew who you played because they had the Mississippi State always had that mindset. And I'm hoping that that leech what he's doing, he'll get that team back to that. So I'm very excited about that. One last question, and you sort of hit on it right there. Culture is the word people keep using. You keep hearing about culture. For a football player in the locker room, what is culture? Man, culture is <clears throat> when you walk in that locker room. There's a, you, know, you need to open those doors. Your, your mindset should change. You, you know, you're. I always said, you know, I'm I'm a nice guy outside the locker room. I'm a nice guy to people. I'm a very cordial person. But when I walk through those doors, you know, when I put that jersey on, when I put that helmet on, there's only one goal in mind. That's to play for the num- the name on my back and the name on the front of my jersey and the guys that are surrounded around me. So. If you don't have that mindset going in, which that 2013 team we're talking about, 14 team, did have that. I mean, we played for each other. We had a bunch of – I mean, that half that team could have been a team captain, right? I right. mean, we were just that good. We, our leadership committee, everybody, we were just so involved. I mean, Coach Mullen left, left the seniors that were on the leadership committee and the captains pretty much 
pick what jerseys we wore, did, what food we ate, and it, it was never – no one ever said, man, that, that was not what we want to do. That's not the food we want to eat. That's not the jersey. You know, it was just whatever the leadership said is what went, and there wasn't any backlash. And that that, talk, that uh, locker room was very tight, man. We were – and to this day, we still all talk. I mean, there's a lot of group group, uh, group messages on – we talked to each other, man. It just <clears> – <throat> there was a different mindset from teams I played on in the past that, you know, when you – when you walked in that locker room, you were ready to go. There was no moping around. Team meetings were very upbeat. We knew, you know, when someone said, hey, what do you do here? It was like, hey, this is what I do. You know, there's no, there was no, uh, 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 I don't know. You know, it just seemed like everybody was on top of their stuff. And uh, Dan Mullen, he, and I will say about him, a lot of people, you know, like him, love him, whatever. He, he put a pressure on a team, on a player that said, hey, either you're going to do it and you're going to bring others up with you. And if you're going to be one of those guys that sits in the locker room and has your little mope around, you're going to bring people down. We don't need you, you know. You're not going to play. So the expectation was you want to be on this field with a team that's really, really good. You look at that 2014 team, defense, offense, a bunch of guys went to the NFL, you know. So that's a really good lineup. So if you want to play with these type of guys, these caliber of players, you're going to bring your lunch bell, you're going to pack it, and you're not going to say – you know, whenever practice starts, it starts, and when it ends, it ends. And when I tell you to do something, you do it to the best of your ability. And that team never, you know, stuck its nose up, never said why, never asked why, just did it right. So I, I think that's what set us apart. And that's uh, and there was there was probably 45, 50 guys on that team that that brought that type of mentality every day. And not to say the other 45 or 50 didn't, but they just kind of watched and and and, t- and grabbed on and went along and did what they needed to do they weren't necessarily not leaders they weren't necessarily leaders they just did what they were told and never said a bad word about it so but you had leaders and you had people that gra- grabbed onto the rope and went up the hill with them so that's kind of the difference i think and i and i can't speak like you said on this i've seen some of that on this on the, the last last week i saw some guys kind of step up and you know pull the rope you know pull the rope out grab on let's go we're about to ride you know whether we win lose whatever let's play the best of our ability. And they played a really good Georgia team and, and probably should have won that game. So, you know, it just had a couple of different things happen here or there. But uh, I, I like to see – I like what I saw last week, and I kind of see a little bit of a glimmer of hope there as far as guys stepping up and being leaders. So, yeah, Really good stuff, Ben. Really appreciate that. Uh, that's a lot of honesty right there. Ben Beckwith, man, living an Egg Bowl memory with me. Appreciate it. Have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. See you all. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.